Hello and welcome to Open Relationships, Transforming Together. I'm your host, Andrea Miller, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jonas Kuffler, and producer and sidekick, the one and only Brian Atkins. Um, this is the very first pilot of Your Tango's first ever podcast, so thanks for tuning in. We're excited to be with you and to be developing a show dedicated to relationships, critically to open our hearts and minds to becoming more vulnerable and empathetic, to being more curious about each other and ourselves, to understanding the critical role relationships play in our lives, to our emotional wellness, our physiological wellness, our well-being, and crucially, to our happiness. And I've been a, a very uh, loud, vehement proponent for connecting those dots, right? I love to say no wellness routine is complete without relational wellness. And so um, that's why we're here, is really to help transform together in a way that's absolutely crucial. I love to paraphrase the one and only uh, Esther Perel. She talks about how the quality of our relationships dictate the quality of our lives. So hence uh, hence the focus here. Okay, uh, so without any more blah, blah, blah for me, this is the initial episode of our show. We hope you're down for it all, uh, for opening up to each other and to yourself. So let's get at it. All right, today we're going to talk about relationship. Oh, hey, I like this sound effect. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. See, Brian. Uh, we're going to be talking about relationships through the lens of parenting and being a partner or spouse in a parenting relationship. Um, we're going to be talking about parenting in the age of social media, technology, and maybe even a little bit of AI. Uh, we'll be talking about things like how do you build trust with your kids? How do you navigate topics with them such as sex and bullying? How do you maintain a healthy relationship with your partner after you become a parent? Uh, improving parenting, communication, and connection with our partners. There is a lot to cover. And so I am very glad to say we have our very first guest with us, Joanna Do you say Schroeder or Schrader? I actually should know this. I meant to ask you before we started. Because we have yes. really good friends, and they are sh same spelling. They are Schraders all day long. But you're Schroeder. Yeah, I think it depends on like how connected you are to your uh, Germanness. Marf, my family okay. is more Dutch, so we just roll okay. with the easy one. Schroeder. I, I knew that, Schroeder. but I feel like now I'm saying it live on yeah, yeah. and talking to millions of people. I want to get it right. All right. Yeah, so I dated a guy named Josh Weinstein, and then when Harvey Weinstein went like got all of his bad news. All of a sudden, I kept saying Josh Weinstein, and I was like, no, just you get it in your head and you can't fix it. He's like, no, it's Weinstein, yeah, different guy. All, all day long. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Whew. All right, so we have uh, Joanna Schroeder. She's a Los Angeles-based writer, media critic, editor, including a longtime editor and contributor at the one and only Your Tango, um, and crucially, a wonderful parent, um, her bylines include the New York Times, where she's had some unbelievable big hits uh, that have gone viral and have generated a lot of uh, comments and extra attention, uh, the Boston Globe and many others. She's a co-author of the Western States Center's Confronting Conspiracy Theories and Organized Bigotry at Home. I had to practice that. A guide for parents and caregivers. Joanna just sold a new book on parenting that's coming out. She has two teenage sons, a preschool age daughter, and super cool hubby who just came to the rescue to uh, <laughs> to us the other day with when we needed a little technical help. So thanks for that. Um, 
And finally, Joanna is not afraid to tell the truth, even when the truth is uncomfortable. She lets it rip boldly and thoughtfully on Twitter and Substack. You can find her on Substack at Joanna Schroeder.substack.com. All right. Did I did I get at least some of it? Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Good. Very flattering. And I appreciate the, the positive portrayal of my life. And also, okay. I could not tell you the name of our um, Western State Center publication off the top of my head either because it's just very complex, isn't it? It's a, it's a long title, but uh, yeah. props to you for your second book. Yeah, Congratulations. Thank you. What is the name of that book, by the way? Um, our book is called Talk to Your Boys, uh, and the subtitle is Under Debate. It's But it's basically the conversations that we can have with our teenage boys that will help launch them into healthy adulthood. And, and when do That's you- That's awesome. Amen. When will right this on be coming time. out? When can we buy it? Is this a 2024? This is a spring 2025 book. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's a very long time to print a hardcover, apparently. So we're working on it. We're excited about it. Um, I would tell you who the publisher is, but it's not official yet. We have a few more days for that, but we're excited. Okay. okay. Congratulations. Right. Congratulations. Well, yeah. The um, I mean, it's so timely now, right? And so thanks for, again, thanks for joining our show. I feel like there's between um, uh, the advent of AI and obviously social media and technology has been if a you know twin blessing and curse for a long time in raising kids um and then covid right uh adding a whole other dimension of challenge to parenthood so so um so let's just get into it um what do you think the biggest challenges that parents are facing while raising children in the internet age one of the biggest challenges I think we face with kids right now is that they are ahead of us with technology. Mm-hmm. And so they are able to gather information and see things online that we don't know exist. <laughs> and a lot of times we think we're making strict rules about what they can see and they can't see. And even when we have parental control software on, they could still be seeing it because they're ahead of us. So the problem is that as parents, we've tried to kind of ban our kids from things historically, and our kids are doing pretty much what we did when we were young, and they're finding ways around that to see what they want to see. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to chime in totally. I mean, 100% in you know, in terms of their head, you can't stop it. I had a conversation with the um, head of our kid's school a couple years ago about pornography and you know my concerns about it as a parent. And he said he was chatting with one of his friends who is a PhD, um, PhD MD, right? Very, very credentialed man. And and so the 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 head of the school, Aaron, asked his friend, "Hey, I'm thinking about getting a, a phone for my my son. At what age is that appropriate?" And his PhD MD friend looks at him and says, "When he's ready for porn, right?" And it's like a lot of kids. I mean, at least around here in Colorado. Uh, I'm seeing some of our, you know, we have two boys, they're uh, 10 and 13. Some of the 10-year-olds have phones. Almost all of the 12 and 13-year-olds have phones. But this whole business of um, pornography, it's like, even if the kids aren't looking for it, it's like, the, you know, there's a very nefarious uh, industry out there 
that's that's looking for the kids. Yeah, I really like what what your friend of your friend, the one that's a doctor, <laughs> was saying about yeah. how you have to accept that they're what they're going to see and what they're going to come in contact with, and then you need to get ahead of it. So basically, yeah. you want your voice to be the 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 original and and possibly even the loudest in their ear when it comes to anything where you feel like you want to have more influence than the internet. Um, so I, I, as an anecdote, one of my boys, and because I have two boys, I can say this and maintain their privacy. <laughs> they both have plausible deniability. One of my boys was riding in the car alone with me and he was in fifth grade and he said, mom, I have had a secret. And I was so nervous what the secret was going to be. And he said, I Googled naked people on the iPad. And I was like, oh, what did you see? And he was like, ah, naked people. And I was like, yeah, gross. So I immediately, this this was like the first time my children had ever done anything like that. I was like ill-equipped. So I immediately, uh, as soon as my child was dropped off, I called my friend whose name is Jamie Schumacher, who uh, did sex education at that time and uh, kind of, um, interventional talks with boys. And I was like, what do I do? And he's like, well, first let's Google and see what he saw. <laughs> Very innocuous. And then he kind of walked me through like all of the talking points and it, it informed how I handled those things going forward. In essence, what I said was it's totally normal to be curious about bodies, especially naked mm -hmm. bodies, because we don't see them out and about and around the way we do with swimsuits. And I just wonder if next time when you're curious about something, you come to dad and me and just ask so we can talk about it and see what you're going to see and make sure it's it's a healthy, accurate representation. He also advised me then, he said, well, he's in fifth grade, so that means he's going to see porn soon. And, and, and like Andrea's friend was shocked, I was like, what? He's like, well, he may already have. So then... Um, I actually wrote an article for Babbel, which was a parenting site through Disney at the time that incorporated a lot of the advice I got from a few sex educators. But in essence, it is talking to the kids about the fact that the sex that they see online is not accurate to what sex between real life grownups is going to be like. And frame at that age, the sex talk and the porn talk about things that grownups do with one another, that there's two grownups and they're both excited and happy to be having yeah. sex together and that it's not something that um, kids do or young people. It's, it's grown-ups. And as they get older, you go into nuance about, you know, all the things about when is someone really able to consent. But that conversation was so helpful because I actually was able to say to my kids and continue saying pornography is like a chase scene in an action movie where it's it is designed to be exciting to the eyeballs of grown-ups but it's not how people actually drive in real life <laughs> and analogy. that yeah for them they were like oh okay so you're not you, this isn't real life this is entertainment and uh -huh. um that's what they need to be prepared with. And they need to be prepared that way before they go online on all sorts of things it's not just sex it's also um, racism. It's bigoted information like um, anti-Semitism, homophobia, um, anti-trans stuff. And the biggest lesson always for everything is 
we'll never judge you for having questions or even for having opinions. So just come to us and we can tell you what's true and what is someone trying to trick you? What is someone trying to pull you into something that is not going to be healthy for you? And dad and I will always be honest with you about that stuff. That's yeah. that's amazing. Um, yeah. I actually wanted to run back to one thing real quick before my dog gets uh, mad at me. Um, <laughs> the, you, your, your kid came to you and was like, hey, I looked at these pictures. Like, how did you foster that kind of relationship? Because that's incredible. Yeah, that's what I was going to you know, say. You know, to, to foster that kind of trust is awesome. Good job, Mama. Well, how do you begin I that? Like I... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'll tell you, I remember, I don't know. I don't know if it was conscious. One of my biggest influences, Dr. Laura Berman, who used to be on the Oprah, I guess it was Sirius or XM station. And when I was doing errands, I would always listen to Dr. Laura Berman and how she talked about talking to your kids. And so many things she talks about sexuality in general and she just changed my whole perspective of my whole life i just love her um but she said as little as they are asking about where babies come from or why grown-ups kiss or any questions they have you tell them the truth and you thank them for asking you and i did that forever so i don't remember how young my boys were but i remember they asked on the same day (laughs) even though they're two years apart, where babies come from. And I was so happy I had Dr. Laura Berman because I remembered her words, which was start with biology and keep it simple. And it was like a mom and a, two, what did we say? Two parents decide that they'd like to have a baby and the mom contributes an egg from inside her body and the dad contributes a sperm, which is kind of like a seed from inside his body. And when they meet, a little tiny baby starts to form and it, you know, that kind of thing. There's a little womb, which mm-hmm. is like a nest, like those kinds of things, biology. And then stop and listen if they have questions. And usually they're like, ooh, that was boring. And they like, <laughs> that was okay, great. I had little, little, little cells, great. And, and you don't want to be boring, but you want to keep it simple and scientific. And then the more questions they have, you just keep answering honestly. And so we definitely tried to do that about everything we even did that about Santa Claus, which was really challenging. <laughs> we tried to be honest and keep it really simple. What's the simplest way to say something honest for and age appropriate? So I, I hope that's what it is. It could also just be coincidence. I definitely don't think that I've done everything right. But in this case, they, they seem like they still come to me about things. One of my kids is way more, uh, one of my boys is way more open with me. He tells me everything. The other one, you kind of have to um, need a little, little bit more. But as uh-huh. they get older, you you need a set of different sort of situations for them to talk. The car, they've always said every single intimate or private thing they've ever said to me has been in the car. Which is very know. typical. That's, so that's an interesting vehicle for conversation, right? The 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 car itself. And why waste time in the car? <laughs> no when pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you get that quiet time in the car. You can turn down the music. And, you know, we. I've, I remember reading that it's really stressful for them when they get in the car and we go, how was school? What sort of things happened? What What was your day like? What was the, And this is what I do. I still do it. How was school? Mm-hmm. What was your day? And instead, the, the great advice that I remember who I heard it from was you say, you smile, look them in the eyes when you see them, no matter how old they are. And then you say, um... I'm so happy to see you or, um, or like, oh, get in the car. You know, I, I'm 
something that shows your enthusiasm over them. It doesn't immediately put them, uh, put a sense of pressure on them. So I'll often be like, um, be like, you look happy. It's nice to see you or whatever. Like, um, hey, cutie, like whatever, like that shirt or like, this is a weird thing you're doing with your hoodie right now. Like the other day, one of my kids had this hoodie. Like, I don't even know what some weird thing. And just making an observation that doesn't put pressure on them and that happiness to see them. Stop doing what you're doing. Smile at them so they feel like, oh, going into a happy place. I know there's also a thing in general with the vehicles. Um, uh, supposedly, it comes back from like way back when hunter-gatherer days where um, a lot of guys, when they talked to each other, they were looking out, not at each other. Um, and so that's why you tend to have a lot of guys that are like having bonding moments, but you're watching a football game or you're you're like looking at something else. Um, apparently, a, a lot of good ways. Like I, I've always heard, like if you want to have a real good talk with your boyfriend, you get in the car and drive somewhere. Um, and, and, and that's it's like so a- interesting I, I, because so we have a thought leader here at your tango named Stan Stan Tatkin, and he came up with the model for couples therapy called Pact Therapy. And I have thought so much about Pact Therapy with my children too, even though it's not necessarily intended for children, but um. The thing in the car, it can either work great or it can fail. And there's, there's like you're saying, I love that kind of evolutionary psychology aspect. But also it, from that same kind of perspective, depending on your own nature, the peripheral vision can trigger anxiety and a sense of danger. So if he's driving and you're talking to him, he may be just perceiving you out of here and unable to get rid of that mechanism. So I remember when we were doing research for our book that I was talking to to Dr. Jamie Ut, who I mentioned earlier, and I was saying it's always good to talk to them in the car, right? And Jamie was like, mostly, yes. He said, but pay attention to your child's body language. And he talked about when he was a kid, his dad, who was a physician, was like, let's talk about the birds and the bees. And Jamie said, all I wanted to do was get out of there, and all I could think about was how trapped I was. So if the if the person you're talking to seems anxious because you're in their peripheral ver- vision, or if your child is seeming like they're like, oh my god, that hit, I, that might not be a best setting for them. It's kind of like everything else with parenting. You can set a great rule with a great intention, like talk in the car. And if it doesn't work for your kid, it doesn't work for your kid. Yeah, especially like you say on on certain sensitive topics, and they feel trapped. It's a really good point. I mean, honestly, I feel like the bigger message is. Oh, gosh, it's like we have these great intentions as parents. And then when they go sideways, how to have the wisdom to say, this isn't going as planned. Let me pivot versus I'm just going to, you know, bulldoze my way through because this was my plan. I'm going to confess, I feel like I've screwed up some vacations and some parties where it's like, but, the, you know, this was supposed to be this beautiful, like really fun, memorable thing. And I'm like so attached to that outcome. I've had to learn the hard way as a parent to go, you know what, who cares? Like pivot, be in the moment, you know, don't try to force that outcome that you want. So it's a, it's a great reminder. The, there's been a gift for me of having my two boys and then a 10 and 13 year age gap between them and my daughter. Only in that I have learned that to some degree they come in the package in which they were wrapped and you you have some influence 
but they bring so much unique identity to the world. And um, parents who, like, for instance, if your child, you have one child and she's an amazing eater and she loves all the foods and she eats Japanese and Indian and Korean and and whatever else. And you're like, I did a fantastic job introducing <laughs> foods to my daughter. I am the best at this. I should write a book. And then if you have two or three children in total, one of your children is going to be raised the same way and only chicken nuggets and hot dogs. And you're going to be sitting there like, I did the <laughs> same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's that's kind of the, it's helpful when we know that because it does take some pressure off of us. And you can kind of, I'm like you, Andrea, where birthday parties or whatever, I'll be like, but every balloon, the balloons yeah. were the whole point. Like the helium tank doesn't work and then I'm losing it. And there's a little kid, my little kid is sitting there going like, I didn't even know there were going to be balloons. You know, it's yeah. being able to adapt. But it reminds me of another thing you said earlier, Andrea, which was you said that sometimes you bring an old, maybe an old parenting thing of, of maybe it sounds shamey or judgy yeah, to your whatever. kids. Mm -hmm. And then you said, and then I say, I'm sorry. And I'm yeah. like, that's the thing. If we were always perfect, then our kids would never have the opportunity to learn what humility looks like. They don't get to see what a repair looks like. So, yeah, you don't want to screw up. But if you do that, man, what a gift we give them when we just look at them and say, like, I, I screwed that up. I was raised that way or that's what I saw growing up. And it's not what I want to do for you. And, and, and I just want you to know I don't judge you. And I think, but you just that whatever that repair is that's a huge life lesson much bigger than if you'd never made the mistake at all yeah amen you just hit on one of my families like yeah oh hey all right we got that we got that we have this huge studio audience here you can't see them but it is huge <laughs> and they're right on cue every time um thank you brian uh no but in all seriousness the making the repair is a big yeah. um it's a big oh and right on cue making the repair is a big deal oh and here is alexander Botnager, uh <laughs> who is home you can tell how sick he is he's home from school today i know yay clappy 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 when alex found out that he he had a little sore throat and when he found out that i had uh i was doing a podcast it's like can i be a podcast hey i do you want to do you want to say something can i ask you a question no, no, come here, come here. I have a question for you because we're talking. You, you are here at the on the debut of our podcast, and we're talking about and you know Jonas and you've met Brian. You haven't met Joanna yet, but you'll meet meet her one day. I hope. Um, we're talking about parenting. What is your number one advice for parents? You have yeah, one? I'll give you a little extra, extra, extra screen time. Oh, <laughs> extra screen time, not extra sprinkles. <laughs> and, and snacks. And, and snacks. All of the above. And ultra-processed snacks. How about extra love? And all of the above. And uh, make the parents do the homework. And make the children. Oh, God. And look at all this love. All right. Well, thanks for making your <laughs> debut, ahead. Alex. I hope you come back. You're, you are our second official guest. Hey. Let's hear it for Alex Bodnagger. <laughs> But anyway, but yeah, the the whole making the repairs thing, that is my go-to. So when I screw up, when the kids screw up, I mean, I'll just be able to say now, like, you screwed up. Can you just make the repair? Like, can we just can we dispense with all the extra drama and digging in deeper and making it worse? Like, just own it. Like, can we just, you know, like own it and let's just move on, right? So thanks for yeah. that reminder because making the repair, it it's like I, I've said to my kids a million times, like, 
uh, like you get these um, celebrity scandals and so forth, and they make it way worse by obfuscating and, and resisting and insisting they didn't do it. And you just want to say, you know what? It could all be behind them, but they've made it way worse, right? So, uh -huh. Uh -huh. yeah, good parenting advice. And the kids, I think, have to often have to learn that experientially, where, of course, that, that are so, and that's so hard as a parent trying to help we want to help them avoid ever having to suffer or make big mistakes and it's like there are some things that they do have to experience to really understand you just hope it's not the big stuff you know that's right that's that's life i i think uh i have a somewhat of a different perspective on that i think there's the perception of the pain and then there's the desire that and the knowledge that it actually makes you a heck of a lot stronger when you do have to endure it so I'm with you on that. I think um, a couple of things stood out at me. You know, one is the the beauty of this ritual that you're creating, uh, and that openness that you've cultivated, Joanna, with your your kids, uh, in terms of the conversational path uh, that you can experience on a day to day basis. So it's a wonderful shared, living, breathing, organic thing where you can get in the car and reset expectations and let them know that you're there for them and that your partners, much like Ben was with his daughter at the school uh, spilling the, the water on his pants, yeah. right? Or Megan with right. her son and the chips. Uh, so that's lovely. And also the simplicity of it, um, the simplicity of just telling the truth. And then the other side of it that I really think is important to note is you bring the science in as well. So you have an understanding and you give them a sense of this is how we are as animals in the world, effectively. And here's sort of how it works. And you can do it in simple, in a very simple way. And I love that. Granted, you know, my, my daughter's much younger than, than your, your boys. But um, one of the things I was going to ask you about is the age when you did feel comfortable having that conversation. I know they came to you. I think you said it was fifth grade. So that, that would make them 11. Is that right? I think they were even younger when they first asked where babies come from. Yes, then? Um, I think usually they'll start asking that around second grade, but every kid is different. My my daughter asked it the other day, and I went to go answer biologically, and she literally was asking me where someone who had a baby had to come from. Like, had they come in from... I was like, Hospital, okay, good, because you're all... Birthing center. <laughs> Dork. I was like, okay, you're asking a different question, but I'm prepared. Um, I think by second or third grade, you need to have that conversation because um, I'll, I'll never forget. I was chatting with a friend who had a daughter the same age as one of my sons. So my friend said, Anna wants to know where babies come from, and I don't know what to say. Do I really tell her the truth? Anna was in fifth grade. And I said, if she's in fifth grade, she's already heard something. And I said, what did you tell her? And she said, well, I've always told her... <laughs> That dad has a special seed that he gives me and I swallow it. <laughs> oh, and I was part. like, hey, keep it clean here, people. <laughs> I was sure like, okay. So, so like, a, I was like, like a watermelon seed. And she's like, yeah. And I said, um, well, so that's going to be confusing. And we talked about kind of how to, how to how to actually talk about it. But of course her daughter said, well, I know it has to do with the dad's parts and the mom's parts and that it happens in bed. That Anna had all the information. She just wanted to know technically, well, how does that actually happen? And all she wanted was for her mom to give some facts. So yeah. um, the funny thing was that 
my friend went to her and said, hey, Anna, I just felt uncomfortable talking about it. And that's because my mom was uncomfortable talking to me about mm-hmm. it. And I'm, I'm better prepared now. Let's give it a shot. And I oh, think nice. at that point, everything felt better. But in general, with just kids talking and what they see and hear online, by third grade, um, they're, they're probably going to hear something. The kids yeah. that have older siblings are exposed to an awful lot. Totally. I mean, that, that was a problem for one of my kids. What and I, I also have two boys, so uh, plausible deniability. Um, you know, he saw a thing. I mean, to the back to the discussion from 15 minutes ago, right? I mean, stuff that he wasn't prepared for. We didn't take your advice, we weren't ahead of it, Joanna. And it was like it was embarrassing and confusing, and we helped him through it. But I, I just feel like your, your advice is, is so important, especially for parents with really young kids. Uh, because they're gonna, they're gonna see it and they're gonna hear it. And especially for the kids who have older siblings, I mean, like all bets are off, right? I mean, genuinely all bets are off, you know? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, add, we had access to the internet to that and it's all, it's all happening. One interesting thing that we do too, when we talk to kids about sex and where babies come from is we make it very biological, which is great when they're young. And as we get older, it's like we forget to tell them that sometimes grownups also just do it for fun or to feel emotionally close to one another. And um, I, someone from what I had researched had told me to do that. So we were integrating that into our conversations. But then when I became pregnant with my daughter, which was a surprise, we always say best surprise ever. We're totally honest about that. Um, My, one of my boys said, um, but how do you, get a surprise pregnant how does it happen by surprise and i said um well remember i told you sometimes grown-ups who love each other uh you know they just sometimes have sex for fun because it feels good to them and they love each other and they feel safe and he was like yeah but not you and dad (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah like well sorry to say (laughs) it's to break it to you but yes (laughs) and it's like no matter how many times you say it, you just don't know what they're hearing. But you do try and give them the whole picture as much as you can. And you can't get out ahead of everything. Yeah, but it, it's a good, I mean, at least it's a it's a beacon, you know, to, to, to try to, to try to anticipate those things, waiting for them to come to you, right, to your point, because then mm-hmm. it's too late. Um, okay, so in open relationships, we always ask... Does everybody catch this always? Because today's our first show. Always the first time. Uh, We always ask for an unpopular opinion. And I know you are not afraid to share an unpopular opinion or two or seven. So um, what, uh, Joanna, what is your unpopular opinion on parenting? My unpopular opinion has to do with social media because I've written and talked a lot about social media and it's the question I get asked the most. And People want to know, what is the right age to let your kids have a social media account? And I very unpopularly say, I don't think you can really make a mistake. And what I mean by that is, if you're thinking about what age your child should have social media accounts, and you're taking into account who your child is and how much access they're going to have, you will probably make the right decision because there isn't there isn't an objective truth for every child. And as much as I would love to say they shouldn't have Instagram till seventh grade, as much as I would love to say they shouldn't have a phone till sixth grade, 
it's just not, there's no data that supports exactly when, and every kid is going to have a different need. I'm of the opinion that most kids should have an Instagram account on their parents' phone that they get to use at certain times of the day to practice. So we set one up for my son, for instance, on, on his phone and on my phone, and I had his account mirrored on mine. So oh, whatever yeah. he was liking and engaging in, I could see. And he was young. He was in fourth or fifth grade. And some people oh, wow. thought this was a big mistake. But I wanted to still be the most influential person in his life, along with his dad, when he was learning this. So that he'd go on Instagram and he'd be liking, 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 just garbage. And I would, I could explain the algorithm to him. I could explain other people can see that you're liking this. And mm-hmm. I wonder what they are thinking. Um, and I have seen conversations in the DMs between him and friends where I have actually interrupted and said, turn off your phone. We need to talk about this. And it was very illuminating. Mm-hmm. But I think no matter when you introduce it, if you wait till ninth grade and you hand the phone over, if you've made that decision, knowing your kid and understanding the basics of that technology, you're probably making as good a decision as you can make. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate that. And I feel like even extracting from that, I feel like there's so much doubt in parenting, right? I mean, and so I feel like what you're essentially saying to parents is, you know what, trust yourself, right? You've got good intentions and you can, you know, even with the best intentions, you can get it wrong. Um, So I I love that. I think, um, and I'm glad to say my older son who has a phone, um, He's not on any social media. That's his choice. I've been like, hallelujah. You know, it's just, it's tough being in middle yeah. school, right? And that's his, you know, and I was prepared to navigate it, but um, I haven't had to. But I want to come back to something that you said that was in my notes to ask you. So you just teed it up for me. So thanks. I will read, you know, he's he's in seventh grade. Um, I will read his, he's on text threads, right? And he's texting with friends. So I go and I've let him know, uh, you know what? Uh, you're in seventh grade, um, and I'm going to read read this from time to time, right? And ooh, for a, a whole lot of reasons, right? From you saying something that, you know, might be problematic for you and, and a friend. You know, I want to understand what's going on with your friend groups and so forth. So I'd love your take on that privacy business. And, um, you know, and, I, and do you feel like at a point, like at what point do you quit reading your kids texts or or you know social media accounts that you know to not infringe on their privacy yeah i don't now that my boys are 15 and a half and 18 i don't read them obviously Uh, not the 18 year old but i will say it's going to be different for every kid i Uh, learned my kids values by following along with them as they were learning and doing it collaboratively which in total disclaimer as far as I know, I have the right idea about them, but I also know I'm not the perfect parent. And I also know yeah. anything could be happening. Someone could come to me and say, look at what one of your kids did. And and I'd have to accept, I don't know everything about them. Yeah. But as far as reading text messages, when, when I have felt I've needed to, I did as recently as say age 16 with my older son. And then mm-hmm. I probably stopped and I let him know, I'm not going to read your stuff. I think you deserve privacy. Mm-hmm. However, I reserve the right if something seems like it's wrong to do so. And yeah, 
he will often come to me and show me things. Every kid is going to have a different need. And I hate to say it because it's so uncomfortable. But mm -hmm. I do believe, this could be my real unpopular opinion, that teenagers do deserve the right to pri a private sexual life. Mm -hmm. So whether that means yep. on their own with, with masturbation or exploring their old bodies or in relationships, some people seem to think that they have a right to control this aspect of their their child's life. And and I don't. I, I think yeah. this belongs to your child as long as they are they seem mature to you. They are an age and that if they have a partner that the partner is of an age where they both can give real informed consent, that you have to hand it out, hand it over to them and just mm -hmm. let them know that the door is open. And I think snooping and reading Instagram messages or text messages once they are getting older does violate their sexual privacy yeah. and their sexual autonomy. Um, yeah. But like I said, it's your, you probably pay for the phone. It's probably on your, <laughs> your T-Mobile or Verizon bill or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it is in your home and they are minor. So if they're, yeah. I just want them to know, hey, I have access to this. I want you to know if something seems off, I'll check it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I and I, I appreciate. I mean, certainly at the age of 18, and my older son is 13, and it's just like, you know, if anything, it's kind of creating that, helping him create that bridge and understand. Um, everything that you've written um, could exist into perpetuity if somebody took a screenshot, right? We know that. Yep. What you say, you know, if you if you send something inappropriate, whether it's you know your own body part or or whatever like we I feel like I haven't heard much about like the sexting scandals for a while but that's real right and that you know that comes back to haunt people but I love that I mean I and I I hope for parents whose kids are at that age and of course I mean well-intentioned parents they're afraid of things like consent and unwanted pregnancies but I think there's sometimes um <laughs> as somebody with control issues I feel like it, you know, control issues can be a little nefarious. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as a parent, you really, it's incumbent upon you to get real clear with yourself to say, what's going on here? And back to the trust discussion, I think, oh my gosh, this ability to say, hey, am I, you know, I've, I've done my best. Now I have to let go a little bit. Right. And that means trusting yourself what? that you've done the best you can. And then I think Jonas, you're mentioning like trusting your kid to, to make the mistakes because that's back to the human condition, right? Like, and it can get really thorny because the stakes can be pretty high, right? When it comes to sex, right? And so, like you were saying, even about the friend whose parents didn't necessarily have the conversation. So she wasn't comfortable. I mean, this is thorny for a lot of us, right? And so, you know, I, it sounds like pretty, it, I, I'm uh, heartened by your advice, right? Because it feels like oh. it's right on for your boys. I do have a very unpopular opinion about food, though. So that's probably a good one, too. Like, I, as a parent, I let my daughter eat McDonald's because with my boys, I was very, very controlling about what they ate. Like, they never had high fructose corn syrup. They did not have McDonald's till they were probably, like, eight or nine. And and then they still just ate garbage just nonstop at every opportunity. And as they got out of my clutches, they they was like it was like I controlled their food too much so we tried to be much more balanced with our daughter and she has much healthier eating habits it could be a coincidence because they they are all unique but 
I, some people are like, oh, we've we've never even seen a chicken nugget. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that is 100% Sanjay, my husband's philosophy. It's like, don't create any forbidden fruit. And he's mm-hmm. way more liberal with things like McDonald's, um, uh, screen usage, even what they watch. I'm like, oh, it's an R-rated movie. Like He's like, you know, come on. Uh, and, you know, and by the way, the movie Air, so good. It's a lot of swearing. But we brought our 10-year-old. It's rated R. I don't think it needed to be rated R. In fact, the kids were dying laughing. There were some really, really inappropriate, like, like, oh, my God. Like, kind of like I was a little bit red in the face. A ridiculous, um, uh, profane rants. But other than that, and the kids thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But, it, you know, it's like, it's just such a great story. And But I said to him, I said, Sanjay, I was like, I really want to take him to this movie and are you okay with it? Because I think, you know, everything that I've read is the only reason it's rated R is for some profane language. He's like, fine with me, right? Um, so I think you're right on, Joanna, as it relates to not creating that forbidden fruit, right? Where then, and, you know, I feel like a lot of us have heard that kids that are micromanaged, they go to college and they, like, they don't know what to do with their freedom, right? Like, it has been, you know, as well-intentioned as the parents are to keep them safe, you know, they pay a huge price once they're no longer in those, you know, proverbial clutches. So I think it's a, you know, and it, it's it's different for every kid, but it does we feel like when we were looking into what happens to the white kids that are being kind of recruited by extremist anti-democracy groups and uh-huh. What we learned is that a lot of the kids that are very attracted to it have had their language controlled and policed just vi- down to the tiny little details. And what they end up doing is they no one's saying to them, you know, what's the difference between the SH word and saying the N word, which is a racial slur. They just know they're all bad words. And so they're pushing out against things. They're going to say the most controversial reactive thing they can say and if if they have never been taught the difference between when you can say the sh word and who (laughs) why you should not say the n word then they just lump them all together so then they they say they're in sixth grade in the locker room and they say a racial slur or a homophobic slur and someone cracks down on them they feel oppressed Uh and part of the reason as parents that it's our fault when that happens is because we made too much off limits so that mm-hmm. they didn't have any understanding of the difference between offensive, rude, inappropriate, and um, profoundly hurtful. Yeah, degrading. Do you, and then, do you remember and, the colossal failure of the D.A.R.E. program? The, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's the same concept where they basically told everyone that all drugs are bad across the board, that weed was as bad as heroin, et cetera, et cetera. And so then when you have people that go, oh, well, then if it's all bad, it's all in the same basket. And and like by being rebellious, I'm going to go to that basket. Um, And and, and also they knew they couldn't trust their parents and the D.A.R.E. program because they were like, I see this kid smoking weed or drinking vodka and he's like not dead or living on a street or sleeping he's in a the gutter. valedictorian it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's the valedictorian or he's my friend's dad or he's the mayor of the town and and they're like i guess everything was a lie there's no nuance yeah. it's yeah. it's not giving them any critical thinking skills mm-hmm. yeah that's it that's that is 
such a huge, huge problem. And and then there are people just waiting. There's these these anti-democracy groups, these extremists waiting for those kids to have that first feeling that they're being silenced or oppressed or canceled. And then they're like, you won't be over here. This is a I'm place where you can say anything that you want. And our enemies are these progressives. And that's, it's so inviting to them because and, they felt shame. They felt and shame. As, as a like 14 year old boy, you already are like kind of really into edgy humor or things mm-hmm. that push boundaries. Cause yeah, you're maybe you're going against your parenting or schooling or whatever it might be that like you feel like you want to be your own free spirit. And by doing that, I have to do the opposite of what uh, society says is like, okay, or whatever. And, and I remember, yeah, like being, uh, terminally online as a kid, you know, and, and doing that and, and saying crazy things for the joke or whatever. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. I just wanted to be edgy and different. I didn't realize that I was actually like hurting people. Yeah. I mean, they want, you know, a lot of these kids want attention. We had a story I read on your tingo about a college student who um, had a five, a high school student who had a 5.1 GPA and he was the drum major and the vice president of the junior class and he didn't get into any Ivy League schools. That was our headline. And it was really, Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to see this. And then what I did Mm -hmm. was I went and explored that kid's TikTok and he had posted a sexist, edgy joke about oh. 20 days before ivy league decision day and canceled this is a great uh, my gut feeling is this kid had a big tiktok following my gut feeling is they were watching them and um so so he made a rude joke right if that's not really the problem the problem that those admissions officers are probably seeing is he's got really bad judgment <laughs> and yeah that'll get you that'll when there's Another 15,000 candidates with just as good a credentials as you waiting to take your spot, your poor judgment in front of 50,000 followers is probably going to lose you your admission. Yeah. And that's what well, told my kid this, and he tells all his friends yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, and by the way, I mean, 49,000 of them also may have had equally bad judgment in terms of, um, you know what they're yeah. saying privately, but they didn't have the added bad judgment of putting it on TikTok, right? I mean, exactly. we deal with that a lot with young kids. It's like, like, kind of, what were you thinking? But then at the same time, as a parent, it's our jobs to say, this is all not maybe not all when it's to the extreme and degrading and so forth, but um, a lot of it is age appropriate, right? I mean, Brian, you just said it as a fourteen-year-old. You're trying to differentiate yourself. You want attention. You're, I mean, my uh, son, he loves to go for the humor, right? But then we have these conversations like, well, that came at the cost of me or, you know, or whatever. And I have a pretty good sense of humor about myself. But I feel like, I mean, I feel like we're in a, a time of, you know, everything is, you know, screenshotable. It's hard. I, I feel like it's hard because you want kids to be free to make mistakes. I don't know that I've made the right choice parenting in this way but i've wanted my kids to see to to learn the artful skill of place and time and my what my kids love this brand that tons of teenagers love called half evil and instead of 666 it's 333 okay we have these older relatives that are in grandparent role that are very religious 
And um, and I have said to them, don't wear your devil shirts around Nani and Pops. And it's like, mom, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Well, I do know that. That's why they can wear it. But I want them to understand place and time. And you're just going to stress them out. Like, why do we need to do that? You can wear it just, I don't care. Just it's place and time, you know? And one of their cousins wore a sweatshirt that had the F word across the front. And would I be upset about it? No. Do I think the grandparents should be upset about it? No, but they are. And I just want them to be able to examine each room and go, what's worth pushing a boundary? And what's not? This shirt, I got different shirts. You know, wear a Metallica yeah. shirt. It's fine. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, about being considerate, right? I mean, as, as yeah, a right. social, you know, we're in civil society where they could, you know, they can make a case, you know, it's my right. My kids will tell me about the First Amendment. Yes, like, uh, I love that just, amendment. I'm like, can you just fuck off already? <laughs> Drop the first F bomb. We just did it. Oh, um, no, but in all seriousness, it's back to just being considerate. You know, can you? Sure. Should you? Well, Got to decide that. You can say whatever you want, but I can say whatever I want back. And and like you said, yeah, it's but... a huge lesson for kids. Yes, sure you can, yeah. but should you? Yeah, yeah. What's the, the context, I try to get my yeah. kids to think through. Yeah, context. that's what I was. Okay. It's and that's again. what I'm really proud of. Yeah. Of the Gen yeah. Z and Gen Alpha right now are are adamantly looking for context because I mean these are the kids that grew up with the algorithm, right? right. These are the kids that know, and, and I'm actually excited for this generation because they basically know every single thing that they look at online is fake. They know every yeah. image is photoshopped. They know every story is out of context. And, and there's like kind of this new wave of like um, looking for the meaning behind it, where I think we were briefly talking about this offline, but like the idea of um, you can still kind of joke around and talk about whatever, but is what is your joke? Is the <laughs> joke, haha, women bad? Or is oh. the joke, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, so, what actually were you trying to say? And that's what a lot of people are, what is awesome is like giving a lot more leeway to like, oh, I get what you were trying to say, which didn't yeah, used yeah. to happen five years ago. Yeah, exactly, Brian. And I've been talking about this a lot in the process of writing our book. Five years ago, there was a lot less forgiveness. And it's, it's if you made a mistake now, people just want to, like Andrea said, they want mm -hmm. to hear you say, you know what? I screwed that up. I recently yeah. missed me. I recently misgendered somebody on Twitter. I, I, and I said, and I've made it, it was like, oh, how I thought you, I didn't know you were a turf, which is the trans exclusive radical feminist, which I am not. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry that I misgendered them. I had no idea. I see that. I apologize for anybody I offended. And it was literally never brought up again. It was like, no, oh, okay. So except for like except for which is amazing except for i feel like the problem in uh, at least there are remnants of this where even if you apologize and you made an innocent mistake you're still canceled which is so like what are we doing right i mean i guess at that point then you say you know what i've done my part and i'm going to move on um but i yeah. feel like when you can't see that lately okay I good like yeah that's, that's on the way it, out if okay. it's if it makes you feel hopeful <laughs> Yeah, I want to. I helpful. do think that's changing. I'm with yeah. Brian, Brian, and I both being terminally online people. It's been really heartening to see that because we do need to make room for apologies and growth. 
Well, I'm here to say we are at the forefront of the movement for empathy and courage and compassion and forgiveness, right? I mean, I say that with complete sincerity. Yay! Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. I have a burning, and, you know, since it's our first episode, I can say we always ask this question here on Open (laughs) Relationships. Bing, bing. Um, What is the number one relationship, Joanna, that has helped transform you? So this is such a good question because sometimes those relationships that transform us are the most challenging ones. And my husband and I were just talking about this, um, where if we will very openly say we probably wouldn't have stayed together if we hadn't had kids so soon. And we are glad that we had that pressure to stay together and I don't know where we're going in our future. We've been together almost 20 years and um, we have these three kids and it's amazing. The ways in which we've challenged each other in order to create a peaceful home for our kids when we are both a history of trauma, super reactive, lots of traitors, um, very independent people, very driven people, Mm -hmm. trying to do this for our kids has caused us both to grow so much that if we hadn't, if we'd chosen partners that were easier somehow, if that was even possible, I don't think we would have grown in the same way. So for sure, it's it's with my husband. I've had to learn a million lessons yeah. and he has had to learn a million lessons and we're still learning them. And we're both on a really similar page right now, which is I don't think we need to stay together forever to have had this be like an epic love story in Mm. where we brought each other in our lives. Oh, my God. I love that. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, He sounds like he's your uninvited Buddha, which we'll be talking about later, and that you're his. That's amazing. Right. And I just I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. Like he is funny. He's so fun for me. I enjoy being with him. It's it's just we have taken such a different perspective on marriage now as far as going outside of what society's expectations were. And we got married when our kids, our older boys were like four and two. We we never thought we were going to do this traditional thing to start with. Mm-hmm. So when you find somebody that challenges you and it'll be your hardest and your sweetest times, and the trick I think with relationships is probably trying to figure out, okay, well, when have these lessons been learned that we can do a different thing? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the kind of the the ultimate question mark. But I I want to come back to I feel like and uh, now that you didn't say this, but when I think about uh, about your relationship, but um, Michelle Obama has been in you know in and out of the news quite a bit talking about marital hatred, and we've had that yeah. um, some articles on your tango do extremely well, and I love Michelle's candor about how at times she was like, yeah, I hated Barack, right? Like it was just so hard. And so painful. And I mean, I can say that I felt like that about Sanjay. I'm sure if he was here, he'd be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, eh, like, you know, like, <laughs> fork to my neck. Um, and yet, similar to you guys, uh, it's like at the same time, this has been what I would say for me in my marriage is like a sacred relationship because we've learned so much. And because yep. of kids, we've stayed together. But I, th- but I, I'd love just to, um, to drill in a little bit more if you're open to it. Um, if so it sounds pretty open like he's also saying 
you know, maybe this isn't our forever relationship. Like, is your relationship that yeah. open where you're actually that candid? Because a lot of us only will say it in our heads. How Yvonne and I came to be who we are. Well, so I often don't shave my underarms. I promise there's a reason I'm telling this. Um, <laughs> like I usually go nine months of the year um, with my full underarm hair. And I've been doing this since I was 18, maybe younger. And a lot of my friends will be like, oh my gosh, he must hate that. And uh-huh. I'm like, I wouldn't have married a guy. I wouldn't have had a kids with a guy that hated that. It, like, that that, that yeah. wasn't where I was going. And so similarly, when we met, he had just been divorced and I had been divorced a year earlier. Neither of us had kids. Um, and we both were like, oh, I'm never getting married again. And like, oh, uh-huh. I just, that's just, we went out, we hung out. We really liked each other. And we were like, let's have a baby a few months later. And then we were like, but we're going to do this differently. The interesting thing about that journey is we started there. And then as you become so intimately entwined with somebody and you have the kids, you have the house, you have the dogs, you have all the in-laws, you have all the holidays. It's hard to go, remember, we were going to do a different thing because you're so vulnerable. There's so much potential hurt. And and then I started well, researching so structure. I mean, there's so much oh infrastructure there, right? Like you could... You know, practically, it's easy to sign the paperwork. It's everything else that makes it so tough. Yeah, yeah. Like the little things that we do as 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 wives and some husbands are the person that's family. But like, when was the last time my husband bought a gift for his sister, his brother's wife? He would not know where to start. That might be his family. That is my business. Just these tiny little enmeshments, not to mention... I mean, everything, so many things. One of the cars is leased in my name that he drives. I mean, who knows? So those little things, as I started to learn more, I had to push him a little bit in it and it was uncomfortable. And there (laughs) was a lot of like how, like grasping, grasping at like, no, 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 we're going to do this, this thing forever. And then it was like, he'd be saying something and I'd say, so this is an example of maybe we would have fun and do things differently maybe we never would maybe we and i'm not talking about sex or intimacy i'm just okay. talking about maybe living spaces maybe not entwined uh financials maybe times when we're dedicated to taking the kids like it's mm-hmm. shared custody in the same home kind of a thing right we're like saturday's your day with the kids where i could do whatever i want sunday's my day with the kids all these different mm-hmm. structures that that tend to be not thought of as part of a of nuclear family structure and just exploding those. And as we ease into it, the more we go like, maybe we're not like most couples. Maybe we need something different. And then I start, then I go, maybe most couples are not like most couples. <laughs> uh-huh. You learned from the, you both being uh, in a second marriage, perhaps you wanted to do something differently, right? And mm-hmm. I wonder how, how much that factored into, you know what, let's be a little more experimental to some degree, because we both know what that pain of failure looks like. And let's let's try something that could actually work. Yeah, we had funny first marriages, too, where we both were kind of like, I don't know, like it was easier to leave those marriages. Like, I think it was sad when I got divorced when my ex-husband and I were both like, we're just friends. And I don't know really if that would reflect his, but I think it's so different when you don't have kids. But for us, it was definitely a lesson of like that traditional path it it's never suited me i didn't start college in one year and finish four years later that's 
that's just one example. And so when you think about, you said he's your best friend. So when you see, I mean, and you're, you're inextricably linked forever because you have kids. Yeah. When, and so it, it's interesting to listen to you because when I heard you talk uh, a little earlier on, like, you know, like, who knows? Like, we're kind of both open. Like, who knows what the future brings? You know, my, my mind goes to, oh, well, they're going to uh, consciously uncouple, right? Versus yeah. you were describing that it could be, all right, we're still coupled, but it is how we live our lives you know, is different, which is, it's cool to think of that. Let me ask you, this may be a little too personal. I'm going to ask it anyway. You can say, nope, taking the fifth. Okay. Um, would would either of you, um, and maybe you don't know this about Yvonne, um, are interested in having an emotional or physical relationship with somebody else? I mean, is that part I of it? I think for us, that has been a don't tread zone because fair enough. I think what happens is, you it doesn't mean we don't talk about it it's i am so i don't want to say i'm not prone to jealousy but i don't think i am i think my own opinion is that mm-hmm. i think we we have a spectrum of gender and sexuality i think we also have a spectrum of like monogamy orientation sure. yeah but when you enter into a relationship with somebody um you're your promises and your expectations have to match. So like me, if it were up to me, I'd be like, oh, look at that hot guy over there. And then it, because he can say that doesn't hurt my feelings. But if it, you know, he, he'll be like, that actress has the best looking butt or whatever. I don't know. Not people yeah. on the street, but on a TV show or something. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're totally right. But if I said that, that hurts his feelings. I don't think of that as like co- confining a part of me. It's more like, um, like we were saying, situationally. So I don't think that is for us. I also think like, even if it were, like, I do not have the time. Oh, I don't amen, know. Sister. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I don't have time for a boyfriend. I, even if I'm allowed to have one, that, I do not have time for a boyfriend. You imagine. And then like, oh, you have to learn a whole new set of things. I was thinking about this. I was like, oh, like some other person's face coming at my face. Like, it just seems like a lot right uh-huh. now because I got a lot going on. Like yep. there's a lot that goes into that kind of stuff. Oh, but I, know. I definitely believe everybody should be doing what feels right to them in their couplehood and that none of us have the right to have an opinion about someone else's adult relationship. Well, totally. But what I, I just really want to take away, I mean, I, I've even given a little kind of, of my own maybe vulnerabilities. It's like there are certain things that I'll think that I won't say. Right. And it you I- know just makes me think there's more room for growth than in my marriage, right? And it's just, it's kind of growing up in a way where I just, I feel like uh, there are just things you don't say. Like you can think it, you can talk to your friend, you just don't say that, right? And yeah. so I, I love that there is a, an in, like a, an emotional intimacy in a, and sort of a trust with you oh, guys yeah. that, well, that some of those things that might be scary, like for the rest of us would be too scary to say that it's on the table. I mean, and you know, if anything, it makes me want to go, come on guys stay together like yeah you know i mean i I think the whole thing with us is just like life is short uh i'm in my i'm 45 he's in his 50s and it's like what's gonna make you happy and what's gonna make our kids happy like if my kids are happy and feeling fulfilled and they feel safe that that's huge but but we also individually have to be happy like my mother uh, is a social worker and she worked with so many um, older folks who were being put, who were 
moving to nursing homes or assisted living. Mm -hmm. And um, there were a lot of women whose husbands would pass away and people would be like, how is this older lady going to survive? And they would be like thriving. It'd be like the light was turned on. Totally. I'm 87. Yep. This guy is gone. I finally have opinions and I don't yeah. have to wear stockings. Whatever it was. And it was mm -hmm. it, it, the idea of like, well, I'll just... <laughs> I'll just wait till that old man dies. <laughs> I'll finally get to even my own grandpa. My grandmother was raised so religious that she felt a lot of shame around dancing. And when oh, she passed oh. away in her 80s, my uh -huh. grandpa went and joined a, a dancing group in Clear Lake, Iowa. Oh my God, bless him. Danced. I know. And it, oh my goodness. Yeah, he, he, he was like, oh, I got to dance. And he had a lot of empathy for the fact that my grandma had shame around it. He, he, yeah. I don't know what happened, but... He was like, he was, oh, love to dance. And I've got this gal that I dance with and this Brad. gal that I dance with. It. You just don't want to have to wait till you're 90. Exactly. No, right. It's like the yeah. Bridges of Madison That's County, you know, the Robert Waller uh, oh. book or movie, right? It's, yeah. you know, it, how many of us? Oh, Jonas, are, you're such are, a softie bringing back the, Madison, the Bridges of Madison County. It's a gorgeous <laughs> movie, right? You've got two Generation X women on Clint the line Eastwood, here. You couldn't yeah. get better. Meryl Streep, right. not Glenn Close. Meryl Streep, beautiful film. But the point is, uh, what I admire so much about your openness. I might have to go back the archive and watch this. Yeah. You must. It's a beautiful yeah, movie. Sure. And it's a beautiful book, actually, as well. Uh, is that you're you're so clear, Joanna, this is what moves me. You're so clear on, you know what? Life is short, A. B, there's a trust in you being able to even broach these topics. And a lot of people are uncomfortable implicitly with with talking to their partners about it. Uh, so I love that. And I think yep. there is this organic Didn't I say, I'm just going to say, even when the truth is uncomfortable, she's not afraid to let it rip boldly and thoughtfully. Yeah. Boom, we're back. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. We should all we should always ask Yvonne if this is a positive or negative trait of mine. I would <laughs> I would say it's not always great. Well, to circle uh, it yeah. back to like yeah. your even like with your kids um, and everything, it's like that that openness and that honesty seems to go a long way. I mean, like it really yeah, totally like the proof is in the pudding. Like uh, the the type of things that you've mentioned that your kids have said to you, I'm like I would have never said that to my parents. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I don't know how much credit I can take because I, I feel like so many things now are genetic and epigenetic and all those things. <laughs> but, and I, and I don't know how my kids are going to fare in their lives. They have so many more years ahead of them. I have this little five-year-old child too. So I don't, I don't want to lean on it and say I've done anything right, but I've tried. And I think if they, if they know anything, they know that I've, tried and that's really the best that I can do you know but and I'll tell you some people are like I don't necessarily want to talk to my kids about those things but I'll, with my with my one son who's really open it's hilarious it is so funny the things that he tells me are happening like the dating stuff the stuff with girls at school I mean you want to hear this stuff it is so <laughs> entertaining it is like a reality show but way worse and it's you don't want to be left out of that stuff. The memes that he shares with me that are inappropriate, I laugh so hard. And I'm like, see, I'm at the very least, I got some entertainment out of this, you know? 
I, you know what? Good job to be a funny mom, a fun, funny mom. I feel like um, I, uh, I made uh, Nicholas uh, or caused him to crack up the other day. He was trying so hard not to laugh. And I'm like, admit it. I'm a funny, fun yeah, mom. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, just go away. <laughs> I'm a little bit about, sometimes I'm very unfun, but other times yeah. I'm like, that's, that's kind of our jobs too, me, right? He does tell me, one of my sons, the one that's really open, does tell me that I am too friendly with his friends. <laughs> but, but I think I'm just talking to them. Like, I'm not going to be like, I, I I like to just include them in the conversation. I'm not I'm not having weird conversations. She's like, oh my god, not doing weird touching. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, that's oh my gosh, way. I asked him how his math test was. That's Sorry. funny. <laughs> that's actually funny. I'm like that too. I'm I'm trying. I want to be friends with all the friends. Okay, oh, me too. We, yeah, we're gonna wrap it up. We have takeaways. I've taken notes, so um, keep me honest here, uh, co-hosts. Um, You've given us, I mean, first of all, just thank you, Joanna. This has been such a wonderful, rich conversation. I appreciate the openness, jo- uh, Jonas, right? The, yeah. Um, and, and there are obviously uh, so many more takeaways, but just, you know, bringing it back to uh, parenting, um, the first thing that I wrote down in terms of advice, especially for young parents, to get ahead of it. Uh, before your kids hear whatever, you know, whether it's about drugs or sex or any number of things that um, they potentially are going to hear from somebody else, get ahead of it uh, and be the loudest voice. That's number one. Number two, um, don't judge. Make it safe. Invite curiosity. Uh, A big shout out to Laura Berman, Dr. Laura Berman, who is amazing. But to, you know, just and then, you know, kind of continuing from that, maybe two and a half, uh, especially when they're asking maybe uncomfortable questions, tell the truth. And I love this. Thank them for asking. And you said something else that was great. Stop to listen, right? If they're going to keep asking questions rather than, you know, like shutting it down, like really giving their space in the conversation. I love that. Um, and then the last one that I just love that I do with my kids, but um, I, you know, feel like I could always do more of it. Whenever you're picking them up or wherever you're sort of re-engaging this whole business of rather than plying them with questions, to smile, look them in the eye, and just let them know how happy you are to see them. I mean, we we all need to feel important, right? And so many times, especially as a working parent, it's like we're so busy and it's like, bup, 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 but do you got the homework? You know, do you have your track shoes, right? So I, I think that's your best advice of you're picking them up, you're re-engaging, you know, Hi, hi, boopity boop, or whatever you call them. Like, I'm so happy to see you. Right? Like, ah, yeah, like just that. Right? Like, take every, throw out everything else we said today. I think as parents, if we just did that, we'd be raising amazing kids. Anything? Did I miss anything, Brian, Jonas? No, I think that's pretty thorough. I Uh, have learned a lot. Yeah. I I think from just a couple of points from my standpoint, I mean, obviously, the cultivating trust is a big one. And I'm going to, uh-huh. meditate on that and what that looks like and finding those moments, the everyday moments where you can teach and share and open the space to have those conversations that on their surface may seem uncomfortable, but boy, what a, what a nourishing and nurturing experience to be able to share that with your kid on a day-to-day basis. I love that ritual uh, aspect of things. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing that really stood yeah. out at me because my kid's not yet of age is the idea of teaching like using technology as a teaching opportunity right so they're not fearful of it you don't have to be fearful as a parent you're going to go through this thing together 
So why not embrace it fully, help explain it, be able to laugh at each other and that technology for that matter, because it's silly in some ways as well. Uh, but showing your kids that they're in control and not the technology. And I think that's really an important piece here. I love that, Jonas. They're in control, not the technology. You don't need to let the algorithm own your thoughts. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. A great note to end on. All right, Joanna, you are amazing. Thank you for joining us as our first guest in Open Relationships. I have to ask, did we transform at least a little today together? Yes, of course. I love it. All right. Um, Okay, well, we're wrapping up. Uh, Let's see. I'm supposed to be prepared for this. We are going to ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the Open Relationships podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher. All right. Like, what? (laughs) Everyone else is like, you know what that is. Okay. Or wherever you listen, join us for future podcasts. We're going to be recording every week, and we're going to have another uh, amazing—well, I can't even talk—many more amazing (laughs) guests. And what else can I say? Jonas, anything else, Brian? Yeah, drop us a line. We love uh, listener and viewer feedback. So you know where to reach us. We'll leave links in the show notes. And we we thank you for your attention today. Yeah, definitely. That's what, that's where I was. my head was at, too. It was definitely, uh, if anyone in the audience wants to reach out or, or talk about something specific, I know in the future we're talking about having guests on the show so that would be really cool to 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 get some early people and and what kind of conversations and and inside like personal insights that you want to share on the show. So if anyone has any of those, please drop them in the comments below. Hundred percent. Yeah, that would be amazing. I'm not. I'm going to totally glom onto that now. Um, in our first episode, we've made it all about uh, parenting and Joanna. But in in future episodes, the plan is to invite guests on. Uh, and so for anybody who has an issue in their relationship, it could be with a sibling, a spouse, a parent, a child, a friend, a coworker. I've done a ton of relationship coaching, so you can join us for free. Just tell us a little bit about your uninvited Buddha and what's going on. And if you're willing to join us, um, and, and let us talk through what you have going on, um, I think we can help you. All right, that's it. Open relationships. We're signing off. Thanks everybody. Thanks, everyone.